Namaste, everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host, Kushal Mehra. Okay, today we are going to be talking about what's happening in France. So for those who don't know, um, there are riots in France right now. And I was just observing it from outside. I could have done a podcast a while ago, but I did not because I wanted to wait for all kinds of news to come out. And then I reached out to Catherine. Um and Catherine was nice enough to say yes to come on the podcast. For those who don't know, Catherine is a journalist, political analyst, and commentator. She's been on the Charvak podcast before. So, Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I always say yes when you ask me to come on. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> so, Catherine, let's start with this. We will begin with the assumption that people in India do not know what's happening in France right now. Mm-hmm or was happening in France. So what has gone down in the last few weeks? Let us start from the baseline with the actual narration of events, how it all started, the current riots. Mm, well, look, so the riots did not just happen in a vacuum. There was an incident with uh, a police officer where a, a young a young man, 17 years old um, at the time, was driving without a license. And he, I mean, he's not, he's just not allowed to drive because he's not 18. But anyway, he didn't have, you know, a learning permit. Um, he was putting, you know, several people in danger. You know, you had cyclists, you had, you know, pedestrians walking around. And so the police, you know, stopped him. They found out that he didn't have his papers. Um, And he also has, you know, a long list of, you know, previous, you know, petty crimes. But, you know, um, some of them were quite violent. And so naturally, um, you know, they felt that, you know, he could, it could escalate. And so they took, you know, precautions and measures to make sure that that would not happen. Uh, And unfortunately, um, the young man was shot in the chest and died. Um, and, you know, on the back of this, it was an absolute explosion of violence where people felt that it was, you know, it was a, it was a murder, that the police officer had no right whatsoever to, you know, to shoot this young man, um, that it was an outrage um, and that something had to be done. And it boiled over where within 24 hours of that, um, people descended into the streets and started burning, breaking, attacking, killing um you know people the streets and the entire country was set on fire i mean it started in the northern suburb of paris which is called Nanterre, where you have a lot of uh you know council estates it's, it's, it's actually quite massive um and it boiled over to um to the entire country um and you had several cities literally burning from marseille to lyon to poitiers i mean all the big cities in france uh violence in the streets um a mayor was actually attacked uh, with, in his home at his residence. His house was set on fire. He wasn't there at the time. His wife and two children were, and they had to escape through the flame where they were trying to literally burn them alive, knowing fully well that they were there. Um, and the young mother, and can you imagine, I mean, the children were something like six and eight years old, a little girl and a little boy. And the mom uh, almost lost her life trying to save her children, I mean, through the flame. She had to escape through the flame. Um, she, I mean, you know, her, her knees were shattered. So now she's in the hospital. She won't be able to walk for six months. Um, and the little girl got an injury. She cut she cut her eye. And you know the the, the notion that people could get I can understand that people would get angry, um, but to get angry to the point where you would be willing to burn people alive, children, a mother and her two children who had nothing to do with the situation, who could not possibly be held accountable or even responsible for anything because it had nothing to do with them. To feel that, you know, that kind of hatred for, I would say, France, the Republic, the institutions, um, the state, would translate into that kind of violence. And the fact that people have tried to rationalize it and justify it, saying, like, they represent, you know, you chose to cause harm to, uh, you know, to, to your family. 
that has done nothing wrong. They are the definition of innocence. Um, for me, is is um, you know crossed the line to see you know Paris com being completely defaced. You know where you know you had slogan um, saying kind of you know excuse my excuse my French but like fuck the republic. You know that kind of uh, in you know profanities is just despicable. You know for people to to again to um, to come to to France or even being born in France but having that kind of reaction against the state, which for me is an iteration of treason. I don't like to say the word, but it is, because if you feel that kind of hatred for a country that you were born in or came to, um, you need to ask yourself, why are you there? Because if, and, and, and also, why is it that you feel to, that you need to express that anger through violence when you could, you know, it's a democracy. You have, you have plenty of avenues to kind of, uh, you know, try to work out, you know, reforms, to try to express, you know, different views or, or propose solution. That, that, that's, for me, that's the main problem. Is that rather than say there's something wrong with the system, we need to work together to fix, you know, it's it to fix the problem. No, they chose violence and they chose to actually stand against the state rather than say we're going to stand with you against the problem. Let's find a let's find a solution together. They refused to do that. What they wanted to do was to literally bring down the republic, and and cause tremendous harm to you know millions of innocent people. Can you imagine? I mean, the bus the businesses that were looted. People who had nothing to do with anything could not use public transport because, you know, buses were burned. The government had to, to issue a curfew and, and, and prevent trains from working, um, you know, their normal hours. That means that people couldn't get work. That means that nurses couldn't get to hospitals. That means that doctors couldn't get to their patients. You know, there's so many things and they didn't care. They didn't care that actually you're causing harm to millions of businesses, people who make a living and, and are really trying really hard you know, to rebuild things, you know, on the, on the back of COVID, um, you know, this for, for them could be the thing that just put them under and they, they completely disrespect, they, they complete disregard to other people's, you know, lives, livelihood, um, welfare, you know, children couldn't go to school. They literally burn schools, theaters, um, I mean, you know, sports center, everything, everything and anything. They even, they even uh, attacked a zoo and freed the animals. Um, yeah. They set fires to, um, you know, we have we have centers in France where you have refugees for animals. They literally set fire to that. Why? What did did, did the did cats? What go? did the animals do to them? Exactly, but that's exactly that, and it's just it's just so upsetting when you see people, you know, who do care about animal rights and in trying to, um, you know, to give those animals like a good a good home and trying to look after them, and people come and set fire to it. Why? I mean, what is the message? And it's just, and, and this happened. It was really upsetting for me because, you know, I, I'm French, uh, you know, born and raised in Paris and it's my city. I love my country. Uh, I'm very critical of France a lot of the time, but because I love my country. So I want, I want it to do better. Um, but destruction, no, I, I just, I, I can't, nobody can sanction this. You can't, you can't agree. And some people, again, have tried, you know, to be, you know, demagogues and saying, oh no, it's the, it's, it's the state's fault. No, no, that kind of violence cannot be justified ever. It, it's a, and look, I'm not saying that, you know, the police officer was right, because clearly not. A young man died. So, but I'd, I wasn't there. I'm not a judge. I don't know exactly what went on. I don't know what kind of, what, what is the code of conduct when it comes to, you know, that kind of situation. Why can't we agree to let justice take its course and actually wait for the judge to decide exactly what happens? Because people have opinions, but they don't know. They don't know because you were not there. You're not a, you're not a lawyer. You're not, you're not part of the judicial system. Let justice take its course. 
Because I think that jumping to the gun and saying that, you know, they want to hang that police officer. Why? We don't know what happened. You know, all we hear is like hear and say. It's like secondhand information. And I think it's so dangerous for people to feel that because it's in social on social media, oh, I know what happened. I, I, I saw it with my eyes. Well, I have, you know, I have news for you. Sometimes seeing is actually not, it's not enough because it's not rational. Because people, there's a lot of buyers that get into it. And first of all, what exactly do you think you saw? You don't know because you weren't there. And even people who were there, you need to have context to everything. And, and I think that just, again, jumping you know, to conclusion and saying he's a police officer, therefore he's guilty, is just too easy. For me, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. Do you think this, uh, this whole uh, hostility to, towards the police now, like for the record, even I think a 17-year-old being shot by a cop is uh, wrong. obviously a, is a wrong and it's abhorrent. And mm. but but civilized countries have rules and uh, rule of law and they have due process. Mm-hmm. Um, you can protest. You can go to designated spa- spaces and take your placards and protest and shout slogans. But that's how civilized people would uh, respond to this and then demand for a you know robust investigation and justice. But now, uh, if I was to ask someone from uh, the 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 side which is uh, going to give an apology for the riots, they would say, "But that's where France has failed. They have not treated its minorities well." So, how does one respond to that? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because look, the the usual the usual argument, and and I've heard it. I mean, I've heard it for decades, actually. You know, where people were saying you know, the, the suburbs of Paris or, you know, whichever big city or pool, which is true, which is true. You have a lot of people who, you know, kind of like leave under, I would say, like the, the threshold. Like, I mean, you know, they, they're under the breadline and they, they do struggle. That, that's a reality. Uh, but we also have invested over the past 30 years, 90 billions, 90 billion euros, which is quite a lot of money that was actually pulled out from everywhere else and poured into, you know, the suburbs of Paris and other big cities to cater to that particular demographic. So the fact that, you know, for them to say, you know, there's not enough resources, that's not true. To also say that they lack access, that's not true. In France, you have, and those are facts. I'm not trying to say, you know, that it's, it's you know, they're lying. But I, I think like these, um, they, they don't want to be held accountable. They, they, they don't want to realize that they had every opportunity to get out of this situation if they had wanted to. In France, you have free education, free healthcare. And when I say free education, I'm not just talking about, you know, primary and high school. I'm talking all the way to get to your PhD. It's free. You have free education all the way in France. It's not, it's in not like. Well, yeah, essentially, yes. Ooh, you wow. go all the way. You don't pay for anything. You don't pay for, I mean, you, you, you pay a little bit. I mean, you have to register, but it's not going to break the bank. I promise you, like everyone can afford it. Wow. So you have free education, free healthcare, and on top of it, you have social benefits. You know, if you know people lose their job, if they have a disability, if they have many children, this you know the government is there and you know steps up and helps. Maybe it's not enough, but like you know, again, we we have we're facing a, you know there are economic realities, and you know, so the government is doing as much as it can. France is a very socialist country. I mean, we have a, a socialist history, so people are protected; they have social rights. Um, so she said that they don't have enough. Well, they have exactly what other people have. That's the thing. So it's not like there's a concerted effort in France where they say, well, if you're coming from, you know, um, 
an immigrant background, you're going to have less. That's not true. You have exactly what other people will have. And if anything, more resources have been poured into the suburbs, you know, to try to, you know, to answer, I would say, the, you know, the, the anger that was coming out of the suburbs with, with young people saying that they didn't have enough, you know, access, that they didn't have the same chances as everybody else. But that's not true anymore. It might have been true at some point that, yes, you know, there was kind of a lack, I would say, of organization in terms of how do we help them? How do we help, you know, support, um, you know, their life and, and to try to, you know, give them sports centers and, you know, access to theaters and cinemas and all those things that, you know, just make your life better and, and enrich it. Um, but that's not true. They were, they were given those, those opportunities. But a lot of the time, they chose not to. For whatever reason, they chose, you know, at some point in time, you have to understand that the state doesn't owe you everything. It owes you, you know, a certain, I would say, social security in terms of like the state should pick you up when you're going through a hard time. But you still, as an individual, you have a responsibility to actually, you know, pick yourself up and actually go look for those opportunities. But for some reason, they feel that they're so entitled that they want all the privileges without having to put any of the work in. And that's not okay. Because people in France, you know, regardless of like, their skin color or, or their faith, you know, do make it. A lot of people do make it. A lot of, you know, first generation immigrants are very successful in France. So my question is, why is it that they're not? At some point in time, they're going to have to, you know, think, is there something that I'm not doing? Or, you know, what is it that I could change about myself to make sure that, you know, I do better in life? Because the state is not responsible for your failures. There's a point in time where, you know, it's just like when you raise children, there's a point in time when they're going to have to fly, you know, fly away from the nest. And whatever it is that they do, it's on them. It's You can't blame parents forever for the failure of the children. At some point, you know, they grow up, they leave, and they're going to make their own mistakes or succeed. It doesn't matter, but it's on them. It's not on the parents. Yeah. You're there to provide a structure. On That's a lighter note, Indi Indian children can. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is that, you know, I the know. state I, I agree with is providing you. a structure. And then at some point in time, well, look, if you fail as an individual, it's on you. But don't blame society. I think it's just, again, I think it's just a, a, it's a cop-out. It's just to say, I'm not responsible. Yes, you are. Because you're an individual. You get two legs, two arms, and you can go to work. And you could do this. And if you don't like your situation, get out of it. And if you don't like it, try harder. And I know it sucks, but that's what it means to be an adult. It's not fun, you know, but you can't infantilize people until when. So the, the state has to do everything for them. Do you want to have a nanny state? And and so and how, how do you sustain this? Like, I mean, are they contributing to society? Often the answer is no. They choose violence. And as you see, like, rather than try to, to say, you know, let's engage with the, with the state. Let's try to find a solution. How do we make it better? No, they, 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 they break, they burn, they kill. So what's the, again, what's the message? What are you trying to say exactly? That you don't love this country. Clearly, we got the message. We hear you. And, and it created a backlash in France. It, it's quite interesting because you have... You have now, I would say, a resurgence of nationalism. I would say the healthy kind of, of nationalism where people actually took a fan saying, hang on a second, I don't want to see my flag burn in France. You know, and, and it's not to say, this is not saying, oh, we are racist, we're white nationalists. No, 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 no. You know, people are proud to be French. It is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's when you're French and you've been raised in France and it's your country, and I'm sure you, you share this, you know, about India, you're very proud of where you come from. It doesn't mean you're not aware of the flaws of that place, but you're still proud. This is your place. This is your home. You want to make it better. To see people literally trash it and shit on it 
it's actually hurtful. A lot of people in France took offense. And by the way, across you know all demographics, so it's not like it's a white thing. We're talking about you know France from you know like um, um, you know for of African descent of Asian descent. It doesn't matter. They all took offense, saying, "Hang on a second, this is where I live. This is my home. My kids go to school here. I'll, what are you doing? You're destroying everything for everybody else." They burnt a library down. Who burns libraries down? Oh, they burn, they burn everything. I mean, look, uh, cinemas. I mean, they they went. Look, they, they went to Champs Elysees and literally attacked Louis Vuitton. They attacked they they attacked supermarkets. They attacked. I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is was for me. It was literally kind of open season on. Let's go help ourselves to what we can't afford because you know they're not. Look, I mean, they can't do anything now because we have the numbers on our side. I think that's what it was. Um, they decided that you know society somehow owed them something, and so they went and get it. It doesn't work this way. Society doesn't owe you anything. Life doesn't owe you shit. I have a question here. How did the French state, I mean the French government, allow this? Because do you think if there was any other group or any other ethnicity that would have tried to come up with, try something like this, do you think the mm-hmm. state response uh, would have been... Uh, now, I know the state is responding right now. Where people may not want to believe it, but the state is responding it's right now. Responding. And and I have huge problems with the response right now. And we will discuss the response of the state and some of the news, like some of the things the French state has just passed, like the, the law I, I read, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I'm like... Holy moly, what have you just passed? Like to deal with problem A, you have just thrown the kitchen sink at it, but that's yeah. second. But do you think well, uh, who's going to hold the French state responsible? Because why did they let the riots to go to this extent? Or was it politically convenient? I, don't, I, th- I think a little bit of both. I think that they wanted to, I mean, look, um, you know, when there's a crisis, I think that. By the way, I think that the, this crisis, however, you know, violent and horrible for everybody else in France, I think was some kind of a welcome relief to Macron because he wasn't exactly popular. Um, I mean, he's done it. Well, think about it. Think about it for a second. I mean, it's uh, nobody was like, you know, talking about him and, um, you know, should he stay or should he go anymore because they were busy talking about the riots. I mean, he, he was literally on the hot seat just a few weeks ago because people were very angry with him. He, by, he literally bypassed the, you know, the National Assembly and tried to um, rewrite the Constitution, quite literally. So he, <clears throat> I mean, he, for me, I, I mean, I, I can't believe that he's done what he's done. He literally, um, you know, took um, our democracy and like literally just said like, nah, I'm just going to do things my way. It doesn't work like this. You know, France is a very democratic country. Don't do that. We have a Constitution. You, you can't just like force the law, especially when the people in the street are telling you they don't want it. You know, he's the president of the people. He's not, he's not like appointed by God or, you know, some kind of a, a party line. He's appointed by the people directly. So and he's you French. have to you should know it even more. Hey, he should, he should, Didn't your also, people lose lives over this? Like you guys he, literally had the bloodiest revolution. I know, but that's what people were trying to remind him that, you know, the last time that somebody tried to play king, you know, he lost his head. Um, and I mean, they were, not, they were not threatening his life, but they were just trying to make a point that, you know, in France, we, we do take offense when people are trying to uh, to take away our rights and and the democracy that we fought so dearly for. Um, you know, it's it's something that is literally. I think like, it's like you know DNA now. Uh, we take offense, and you know we let we we tend to be a bit rowdy, so we we tend to let you know 
everyone knows. I mean, look, the French have like we it's it's a national sport, it's just to, to demonstrate and to go to the streets and to start screaming. Um, but you know, that's the way we do things. And it works. I mean, look, the last time we had a crisis like this back in 1968, um, De Gaulle, who was president at the time, I had actually the good man of quitting. He understood. He understood the, you know, the that you know France is a republic, that we have to protect our democracy, even if that means that you know the president has to go. If you lost legitimacy, just go. Because you're not serving your country anymore. And and the problem is I think that Macron lacks that kind of uh, I would say moral fiber. Uh, he loves his career more than he loves his country. And I think it's uh, it's sad to see, um, especially from a president. And now he's like, um, I think his popularity is kind of um, gaining ground in, in the sense that people need him right now. And he's, um, you know, he appears to be doing what they want, which is to stop the riots because people are scared. They were running scared because it was getting out of hand. And I think that I think that helped him a great deal. And also it allowed him to, uh, you know, to be pushing through um, a few laws that otherwise would have literally, you know, set the country on fire. So I think that I think to some extent they saw an opportunity. I'm not saying that they architected or engineered that crisis. It's like I don't want to give into the whole conspiracy theory. Um, but I think it was a very convenient, you know, uh, vehicle to push certain things through and to accelerate the program. That's what I'm going to say. Um, but yeah. So, so was there like a past precedent to this? Like, uh, because, like you said, like France has a culture of protesting, but like yeah, this but not level... violently like that. I mean, you know, there's protesting in the streets, and then there's like rioting. There's a, there's a line. I mean, it's not like you know, we we are rowdy, but we don't. I mean, we don't start setting things on fire just because it's fun. Um, that was a riot. That was. I mean, look, people talk about civil war. There, there was like I think that there was a moment where people were thinking, "Hang on a second, like this is this is morphing into something very dangerous." Because we're not just talking about, you know, violence in some areas. It was spreading across the country. The country was set on fire, literally on fire. Um, and I think there was a fear that it would turn into something else. There was there was a fear. Um, but yes, there, there's been there's been uh, incidents in, in the suburbs also. Uh, it was under the presidency of Nicolas Sarkozy. Um, a few years back, and he had to call the military. But it was very localized at the time, but he had to call the military because, you know, they were using um, weapons against against the police, and the police at the time was not armed properly. Uh, and so they had to send the military, which is why, you know, a few laws were passed in France to, um, you know, to allow police officers to have, you know, more weapons and um, to have, uh, I would say, a margin of, of movement um, that, that is greater than it was before in order to address, you know, the, the kind of threats that they were under. Because some areas in, in France, for example, were completely um, barred from the police in the sense that they, they were so scared to, to get in because they knew that people had weapons that they didn't have access to themselves and then they couldn't guarantee their own safety. And so they just decided to not go, uh, which was a problem because obviously the police need to be able to go everywhere um, to make sure that, you know, the, the the rule of law is um is applied everywhere um so yeah so new laws were, were set in place and the problem is it, look it's like with everything it's like you know if you start to harshen your tone because you're trying to address uh, address a, a crisis or a threat that means that you know you you come a bit heavy-handed i mean the police has more rights and more weapons and you know they tend to be a bit more trigger happy and then you know those things happen so but how do you it's a balancing act and I think that, again, it's too easy to say the state is at fault. Yes, partly, but there's a dynamic here. 
it's not it's not the states just again you know operating in a vacuum and just shooting people because it's fun it's not that's not that there's you know it's a reaction too so now the problem we have is that how do we make sure you know saying we're going to take the guns away from the police that's not a solution because then how do you address the mounting threat that they're facing right because then you're putting them in danger so what we need to address is actually like you know what is the what is the real problem behind you know the the shooting and the guns holding and the laws is the violence how do we stop the violence how do we make sure that people again learn that number one there are consequences dire consequences to you know to, to acting like a buffoon uh and that you can't just you know threaten people's lives or put people's life in danger or or, or go after people's property you can't do this um and make sure that you know whatever upset they feel is expressed in a way that is i would say constructive and leads to to, to change, positive change, not just because screaming for screaming is too easy. Like, what are you trying to say? Because we still don't know what they were saying, other than say, we want justice. Well, you know, you burning and killing people doesn't scream justice to me, but okay, let's go with justice. And also, what does it mean? Justice, like what kind of justice do you want? Because right now it's like an eye for an eye, um, and that's not okay. It's not even an eye for an eye because they, they literally went after, you know, uh, people who had nothing to do with anything. A firefighter was killed. A firefighter. His entire purpose in life is to help you. He doesn't arrest you. He doesn't challenge you. He doesn't. You, you don't call the firefighters if there's like a fight in the street. No, he comes. He comes after to help you. You know, to take you to hospital, regardless of where you come from, whether you have your papers, whether you're legal, whether you you know brown, blue, with spots. He doesn't care. His job is in service of the people. Why would you kill him? What did he do? But he has a uniform. And it's and for me, it's like, can you imagine someone who literally spent his life in service of other people at the worst time in their lives? The person that you want to see quick, you know, if something happens in your household, like you want them to come quickly. Um, they targeted that those people. And for me, that's just beyond. It's just there's no no excuses, no explanation. And it's just like, no, you, you can't tolerate this because it's like, can you imagine if they start going after nurses too? What are you doing? nurses no no they didn't go after nurses but i'm just trying to say it's the same thing like if suddenly this oh, okay. to say, oh, we're going to turn on nurses. Like, what is yeah. the rationale in, in in you thinking like why would you do this um but you know people well, the are mob has no behind. the mob has no intelligence but that's the problem but well i actually i disagree i disagree in, in the sense that maybe no intelligence but there's definitely a will there's definitely an engine behind it because yes. I don't believe, I don't believe that, look, when you have, you know, the, the, this youth, the way that they moved, the way that it spread, you know, this is something, it doesn't happen. So I think there's been, it's like, we're talking about decades of, you know, um, indoctrination. And I'm not talking about religious indoctrination. I'm talking about political indoctrination. The, 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 the thought that we put into these people's heads, again, that they are entitled without, without the accountability that comes with it. Um, that again, France owes them something that somehow, you know, the state is the enemy. Why? Why would the state be the enemy? Why? Why would you automatically view the authority as something to be, um, you know, to be hated? Why? Why? How is that helpful? And I think that's exactly what certain people and certain actors, uh, you know, wanted to do. I mean, look, we have people who literally every day scream against our democracy saying that they want to lay waste to our democracies and i think that we haven't woken up to the fact that certain powers and actors are actually you know acting from within 
eroding at our democratic institutions by rewriting people's mind and making sure that the enemy is not without but within. Because you know the best way to set uh, a country on fire is not by attacking it. You know from the outside is from within because how do you find that it's very difficult well do you think uh, the american culture wars are also kind of now being aped in other parts of the world as in the modus operandi if you remember the black lives matter protest mm-hmm. post the 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 killing of i forgot the 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 african-american uh george floyd was, george floyd yeah who mm-hmm. who was uh who was uh, who was basically murdered in the process of restraining him by an american police officer mm-hmm. now and the riots that erupted after that and how certain cities in america the where it was quite clear even during peak covid the authorities just let people riot do you think it has now become a thing now where um, culture wars and their patterns are now being seen to be visible across the world or it's just the nature of democracy where democracies tend to have more restraint and they let go of these things but do you think as a long term strategy this is a viable way of just let you know the idea is a politician might think let people vent but vent till what extent yeah i don't know i mean look these these i mean America is quite violent. It always has been violent. Um, you know, the police is quite is quite heavy handed. I mean, it's a culture. Um, so I'm not surprised that when you engage people, you know, with that kind of frequency, obviously, like, you know, they're going to push back with the same, I would say, level of aggression. Uh, now, the French police has always been quite heavy handed, too. I mean, the, the French are not they're not the Brits. The Brits are very polite. I mean, they do things very differently in France. They're quite aggressive. I mean, this is and it's again, it's just part of the culture. Um, so I think that people who are critical of that, I can understand where they're coming from. At the same time, you need to understand the context and the culture. Um, you know, it's, I'm not trying to justify it, but that's the reality. Um, you know, every country I think has its own kind of like, you know, idiosyncrasies and this is one of them. The fronts tend to be again, a bit rowdy. And so I think that the police, you know, automatically had to kind of match that. Uh, and sometimes, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, people see that as, um, I'm not saying that we used to it as French people, but it's expected. Um, and I think that it played, you know, in, in this. And also, look, I, I think, I think that because you had a lot of, um, you know, young, I mean, it's actually said, but young Muslims out, you know, coming from, you know, um, an immigrant background. I think that a lot of the authorities did not know what to do because they didn't want to play into the narrative that, you know, they're being Islamophobic, that they're being racist, uh, and that they're targeting a demographic. Um, that, you know, is seen as um, in crisis, you know, the underdogs of society or or the disenfranchised of society and that they didn't want to kind of, again, you know, allow, you know, ideologues to turn around and say, hey, we told you so, you know, we told you that there was this clash of civilization, there was this war against you, because that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, the police had to react to the violence because they had to, Um, they have to protect you know, people. And again, if someone, you know, breaks the law, well, you know, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to answer to your actions. And it's unfortunate that, you know, this demographic decided to just do that, but they did. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, number one, why? Number two, you know, why is it that they felt entitled to do that, to express their anger that way? Because there's always a better way. Um, And also, you know, there's, um, there's a way of thinking that there's a worldview that has led to this. And until we address it, not going to get better so we can talk about immigration all day we can talk about integration all day 
it's not going to help at all until we actually like you know talk about the elephant in the room which is that we have millions of people in france who hate that country and hate the republic and hate everything that france represents and that that comes from somewhere and someone so uh i was just trying to understand this this unfortunate shooting of this young kid uh so he this kid was of moroccan and algerian descent right mm-hmm. yeah so that's where the kid comes from now now let us talk about the french state and the i mean i'm just shocked i, I just saw a news report and tell me if this is correct or not this was published in a mainstream indian portal not like some dinky ass uh, uh crazy portal this is the economic times like probably mm-hmm. one of the largest indian portals and when i read this i was like holy moly what in the living world is the french government thinking so basically what this report says is it is allowing police to spy through phones mm-hmm. well what they, in the world well they actually uh, i think you missed it because there was uh, there was a gentleman at the national assembly that you know stood up and address you know address everyone saying that now they would be using you know social media and uh, you know to track down people you know the because um, a lot of the the rioting was organized through social media snapchat that kind of thing and so that they were going to to have a conversation you know with those social media to try actually to track down their you know the the um the it the ip address uh and make sure also that they would be able to uh you know to basically get into their phone um to establish guilt and you know to collect evidence which has never been done i mean yeah I'm sure it has been done before but we didn't know <laughs> and that they kind of came out with this saying that those are the tools that we're going to employ. So I would say on the one hand you would say you know it seems natural for a state to want to use whatever tools they have at their disposal to crack down on that kind of thing but obviously then you have like you know how does it apply to everyday life because obviously that again it's it's just like one extra violation of i would say you know our privacy or our personal rights in terms of like we could be snooped on without our knowledge uh you know the implications are grave um yeah it's a it's a problem but you know okay, it has it has gone on for a bit i think the problem is we're very naive when it comes to because you know look technology is not good or bad it is technology um but it depends you know who's using it and obviously with all the you know like uh, we have you know gps you know we could you know we have access to all those different things that means that you know that could be used against you it's very you know we we basically i think that we what we need to understand is that by you know in order to have access to more technology every time that you know something is is convenient for us to use we are trading a bit of our freedom we need to be aware of it it's just a reality and we need to find again we need to have a conversation around this not to say technology is bad it's not bad it's good but how do we find a framework that actually allow us to you know rethink our freedom because i think that we actually need to rethink them because you know you can't deny that this is the reality so how do we how do we work with it how do we reposition ourselves and understand our, our freedom better and also make sure that there's no you know that the rights that the government wants to to kind of give itself or the legal system is being done in a way that there's there's some checks and balances that it can't just be done like that because you know to say we can stop it you can't stop it you can't put the genie back in the bottle that that you know technology has allowed this to happen therefore it will so how do we make sure that there's some kind of a you know garde fou as we say in french just like you know checking balances to make sure that the genie doesn't just go crazy on you and you know turn nuclear so i mean look i lean libertarian so for me this is so disturbing 
before somebody says oh, the indian state is also very authoritarian so before someone says what are you telling the french about no no i can i'm just talking <laughs> as as my libertarian libertarian senses kick in every time i read something like this my red alert goes yeah. hey, the state can literally and and this is coming from a center left political outfit yeah that's crazy not right? a right wing political outfit the left in france is doing this i mean uh, the 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 justice minister i was reading his comments what is his name eric dupont right mm-hmm. already right so he is saying i mean and and i want to quote the gentleman here i was like what and this is like uh, during a debate on wednesday this there are mps in president emmanuel macron's camp that they they are this is for a strictly proportional duration what does that even mean well exactly that exactly but look it's it's like look they were talking about in france too and, and nobody picked up on it because I, i went on social media and i kind of like you know throw a bone and no no people were like oh no it doesn't matter i was like yeah it does because they were talking about invoking you know a state of emergency in france the problem is when you invoke a state of emergency in france because we don't have per se a state of emergency but you have two articles is 16 and 36 um you know that gives basically the president a lot more powers the problem is the last article 36 doesn't tell you for how long and that's a problem because state of emergency until one so i i think that again we need to revisit some of uh, some of our uh, articles in the constitution to make sure that again because society has evolved where you know we have threats that we could not anticipate 50 years ago 60 years ago 100 years ago but now they are a reality but we haven't has, updated anything has macron lost his bearings because he does realize that the now one set of french people are coming on the streets because they're writing does he want the other set now to come on the streets and say you're getting in my cell phones now because uh french people I are not going to just lying down right Here's the thing. Um, I think that the, the French right now are so, I would say, angry and unsettled by what just happened. Because it was very unsettling, um, you know, to see that suddenly that people were talking about a silver, like silver war, and they were not kidding. And not in the sense that you know they imagined that you know they're going to start like you know you're going to have like shootout in the streets. I mean, in the sense that you had a certain demographic in the country that wants to take the republic down, and they get scared, thinking like, what, what? It, what are we doing what is going on like what is happening they they didn't realize that there was that kind of animosity you know they knew there was a certain malaise that people were you know there's poverty there's issues in France a lot of issues but they never realized that those problems you know led to such hatred towards the republic not 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 politicians you know not political parties the actual country the republic what what it means to be french you know they didn't realize that there was that much hatred against the flag um, and i think you really shook them because you know the french are very political in the sense that you know they always argue about politics but it's always you know in respect you know with a lot of love and affection and and respect for for the french republic you know this is this, this there's a line from that you never cross um and that was crossed and i think you should people to their core because again people will critique you know will critique macron up and down every day all the time you know they love doing this they criticize everybody all the time but they they will never ever turn around and say we hate the republic because this is something it's it's an act of apostasy in France to do that because they'll be like what are you talking about you know we fought for our freedom this is we love the republic the french are really proud of the republic it's not perfect but we love it and so to have people come out like this and and challenge that in such a violent public way 
was very unsettling. And I think that they're so shocked and, and trying to wrap their mind around this that actually right now you could just like do whatever. I don't think they will notice if I'm if, if I'm honest with you. And look, no one has picked up on it because people are busy trying to rebuild their lives right now. Now I want to talk about how these riots were covered. Now, I'll tell you why these riots took in, uh, took the attention of a huge section of India mm-hmm. because they were barely covered. Really? Right now, I'm in Canada and in America. I can tell you the American media and the Canadian media has barely covered this. They they don't cover. It's they fine. don't cover. If something like this would have happened in India and the Indian government would have passed a law, I can saying I will enter your cell phone and see everything. I can guarantee you the French would be would be chiding us. Yeah. The British would be like, "Oh my God, democracy the UN. in danger." The, the United UN would Nation, be, yeah, would be giving us lessons. Uh, the American, uh, who's that uh, guy? I, I forgot his name. The current ambassador to India. He's very irritating. Uh, he goes and tuk tuk rides. He goes and meets Bollywood people. And you know me as an Indian, I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. Just go and sit and do your job. You fucking moron, going around walking uh, and doing all these stupid dances. It's very irritating for me. And and everybody would have lectured us. Yeah. France has like gone the whole yeah. hog. They just took a ramrod and shove it up their citizens' ass. Yeah. And nobody talks about it. Oh, no, Eric because... Garcetti is the American ambassador. I fucking hate that guy. Sorry about my swearing. He just, oh, no, gets, to just gets to me, that guy. But you're right. Do you know, this is actually, let, let me, and, and, and I know you heard of it, but there was one incident that really got to me because I was thinking, you are, I mean, the bias that people hold is just like, it's so blatant. They're actually not even aware of it because it's so big now that it's just like, they, they're completely blind to it. But I was thinking the nerve of some people where, look, in France, violence was happening on both sides, by the way, because the police was very heavy handed. Um, and I mean, those things are not, you know, like you you would have expected a lot of people, especially like, you know, European countries or, you know, Western democracies you know, to come out and tell the France, like, you need, I mean, say something, you know, along the lines, you know, exert restraint, you know, be careful, like, you know. I don't know, don't kill your citizens, you know, that kind of thing. Or I don't know, any kind of a comment on, you know, what was happening in the streets of Paris, because unheard of, the country was on fire, burning, like, again, civil war, people were, you know, talking on social media about it. And then in Israel, there's, um, you know, an operation in Jenin against identified terrorists. Okay, so we're not talking civilians, where every effort was made by the military to save lives and to make sure that no civilians were killed and none were killed none and you have a bbc presenter that goes and say the igf enjoys killing children and you're like excuse me what you have you have a police officer in france and i'm not saying he's guilty because we don't know who killed a 17 year old the definition of he's a minor he's a child under the law he's a child no one challenges that but then you have a BBC presenter making a comment on Janine where no civilians were killed, but terrorists were killed because they, you know, they were terrorists. And so they were fighting against the military with the intention of claiming civilian lives and innocent lives in Israel. And she goes on, on TV and says, you know, the IDF enjoys killing children. Are you kidding me? First of all, the, the use of the blood libel is despicable. But the fact that she would normalize and apologize for terrorism by arguing age and saying that he was he was a minor and that Israel should be ashamed of itself 
are, are you kidding me? Because I, I'm sorry, did, did, were you not were you not part of the operation in Iraq and you can't but bomb the country and one million people died, including children? You want to make that comment? You want to justify the operations in Afghanistan? You want to make that comment? Do, do you understand? And and I was thinking like we need to change the way that we look at things. And I'm not trying to do oh what about this? But there's clearly <clears throat> you know a bias. There's clearly a way to describe certain situations depending on where they happen to serve a certain, I would say, either political goal or some kind of a, a mind construct, you know, to, to kind of like justify a certain prejudice against a certain demographic for whatever reason. But we need to be able to actually look at the fact and say, listen, whenever lives is being claimed, I'm talking about innocent lives. I'm not talking about that of a terrorist, because for me, and I'm sorry to say people may disagree with me, if someone preaches death upon the innocent, they sit themselves outside of humanity. And therefore, you, your right as a person have been suspended as far as I'm concerned. Because if you behave like a, I wouldn't say an animal, but if you behave like some kind of a devil where the sanctity of life matters not to you, then you, you're sitting yourself outside of humanity. And therefore, what, whatever I need to do to deal with you in order to protect the innocent, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to suspend those, right? Because you can't claim... You, know, you can't say I'm underage. It, it doesn't work this way because your your behavior, the acts that you want to carry, you know, sit, like, you, you know, push you like way, way out of society. And so like whatever rules apply in normal time don't apply to you. I'm sorry to say, and people will disagree with me and I'm okay with it. Um, so no, to make so, the apology of terrorism like that, not okay. So what what is the road ahead for France? Maybe we can now spend a little bit of time on that and then I'll ask you the live viewers questions because there are many of them oh. too. Like how does France deal with this kind of uh, an uprising? Because obviously it is uh, from how you're stating that, like how did the French media also report this? Is Were there heated discussions in the French media um, or were they just trying to bury it under the... No, it, it, look, because again, we... Everyone started talking about immigration, talking about poverty, talking about, you know, you know, Islamophobia, saying that they wanted to turn it into something that I, in my mind it was not. Um, trying again to not hold those people accountable and just to find excuses for them and say, oh, but they did this because, well, I don't care. I, I don't care. I mean, there's a point where we're going to have to say, I don't care because you can't do this. You know, you can't say I was drunk, therefore, I don't know. I raped someone. Well, it's, I'm sorry, but like you being under the influence doesn't apologize the act. So, you know, we need to stop again trying to infantilize people and saying that, oh, just because, you know, they, they are immigrants or they come from wherever or they are Muslim, therefore they can't be guilty. Why? They are guilty. I'm not saying that that means that that guilt extends to the entire, you know, the entirety of, of like, you know, the Middle East or North Africa or, or even Islam. It's not true. The individuals are responsible. And we can't also deny the fact that, again, there's a common thread. They have a common denominator. And we need to look at, again, not blaming the faith, because that would be stupid to do so, but to understand that people, ideologues behind, you know, the youth, indoctrinated and radicalized an entire demographic, and we haven't caught it. So the responsibility is also on us to say, like, we missed something, for sure, because we were too busy trying to say, you know, challenging people or actually saying that there's an issue that is developing, we could see it, or is racist. Look, I think that everyone agrees that immigration is a good thing, always. No country can thrive without immigration. That's just a reality. You know, you need immigration. 
the right kind. And when I say the right kind, I'm not talking about, oh, you know, we have to, you know, we, we have to limit to like white people because, you know, it's, it's the UK or it's France. No, everyone is welcome. But you have to understand that you can't just welcome anybody all the time and, and just like, you know, make it like chaotic because that means that you're going to harm society. Like you need to be, you, you need to invite in who you need, what you need, how you need it, because people also need to have a chance to, you know, to make a home you know, in this new home. And that means like resources. So you can't just say, oh, whatever, let's just, let's go 10 million, you know, in one day, that's going to work. No, um, you know, we need to think this through. And it's okay to say that, you know, a country has the right and the privilege to actually decide who comes in. I know it's hard to say, and I know sometimes it sucks and it's not nice, but that's the reality. We need to be pragmatic. We need to stop trying to be nice to people because it doesn't work. Politicians are not there to be nice. They're there to lead. There's a difference and we need to learn the difference. And I am. You know, I'm all for, you know, accepting asylum seekers. I'm all for helping people. Um, what I would like to see happen is that rather than, you know, use asylum seeking or, you know, the, the, the status of refugees as the solution to a problem, I would love for us to actually be working on how do we make sure that no refugees exist ever? I don't want, I don't want to see people to have to leave their home because of a war, because of a famine, because of a whatever. What about we help them in their country? Because a lot of people who do flee don't want to go anywhere. They love their country. They want to stay, but they don't have a choice. So, you know, they have to immigrate. Why don't we work together to make sure that those people don't have to leave? What about that? Because in my mind, that would be the better solution to make sure that, for example, you know, in Africa or in Yemen or wherever a tragedy happened, that actually, how do we fix it? How do we help you stay? How do we give you the resources that you need right now to make sure that your society can be rebuilt and that you don't have to, you know, to, to outroot your entire family and, and, and cut ties with a country that actually, you know, you love very much and you attach to and put you in a place that is so foreign to you that it's going to take you one or two generations to even understand it. This is, this is what I don't understand. And the, deba the debate is never going in that direction. To say, why do we have to look at the problem at the very end of it when there's a crisis? Why can't we try to project ourselves in the future and say, how do we help people to, you know, not move when they don't want to and those who do want to move are those that we need to make our society stronger and that works both ways by the way you know you have a lot of immigration for example towards the uae they don't accept everybody you know there's a quota there's certain criteria that you have to meet otherwise they don't need you and i think that it should be okay for a country to say we're going to welcome x amount of people and we need those people following those criteria it doesn't make you a bad person it just makes you a very pragmatic person so, okay, one last question, and then I'll get into the viewers' questions also. Now, there is a lot of hyperventilating on social media. Doomsday scenarios have been peddled about how the French Republic has fallen. France is all gone. There is nothing left. France is over, Catherine. There's no such thing as France anymore. Uh, everybody has declared France is over. Okay, I get the riots have happened. Can you can you tell people France will be back? And all right, we'll deal with this. France, look, again, people, I mean, I know people love, like, they love to be dramatic and say, oh, my God, it's the end of the Republic. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a sixth Republic. It's possible because there's clearly something, you know, wrong with this one. Um, but it's not the end of the Republic. France will still be France. France is not going anywhere. Uh, France is an old country. And I, and I think this is the, the one thing that people don't understand because we live in a society where everything is instant all the time and things get, you know, outdated in a second. Um, France has roots. So it's not, it's not, it will take, look, we had uh, two world wars, 
you know, several empires, many, 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 many wars, many, many wars um, that destroyed it and we came back. So, you know, riots, I'm sorry to say, yes, dramatic, horrible. I mean, and, and you know, people were hurt. Uh, but the Republic is not going anywhere. The, the French democracy is not dead. Um, I think it's going to take a lot more, you know, than President Macron and his um, weird reforms, um, you know, to actually shake, you know, uh, our democracy. Um, and even though like, people love to say so, that's, I, don't, I don't believe it to be true because the French are still there. And as it turns out, we do love our democracy. So we'll fight for it if we have to. But, you know, I'd like, I'd like us to stay civilized while doing so. Keyword, civilized. Uh, a, a journalist once I, said a very beautiful line. He said, being civilized is an learned and acquired taste. Not everybody can have it. It's true. And also people don't understand that violence, okay, for me, is never the solution because you're engaging in dynamics that are, you know, by definition destructive. You can't, nothing good will come out of, People need to just take a chill pill, have a conversation, and again, find a solution that works. Just stop, stop. Violence, what are you going to achieve? You might get to you, you know, where you want to go faster, but the journey is toxic, and we, we, you, know, you will pay the price for that later. So I think that we need, to, we need to, for me, it's not so much how quickly we get there, it's just the way that we do it. We, we need yep. to learn how to, we need to learn to disagree. And I think that, you know, like a lot of the time when people do marriage counseling, uh, you know, they actually learn, they, they actually, there's, there's an art in arguing, like you need to learn how to argue, to argue effectively, you know, not to just stay, to lock yourself in this like kind of, you know, toxic dynamic. And I think that's what we need to learn. We need to learn that, you know, we have to learn how to argue, um, to be pragmatic, to try to also not put our feelings into it because it's not useful. Uh, and again, solutions. Let's let's aim for solutions. Let's not like let's not get bogged down by you know stupid disagreements about I don't know whether or not you like someone's hair or you just like whatever. Um, and also, I think the biggest thing for me is that this this tendency that we have, um, if we decide that we don't like a political a particular political party or state official or politician, um, even when they say the right thing, we want to disagree with them on account that oh, but I don't like you. I don't care. If someone is saying something that works and is true, take it. Don't don't be don't be the idiot that said, "Well, I don't like you. I don't care. It's not the point." If the person is actually saying something that is true, and that could actually help towards finding the solution, by all means, take it. Listen, because you know, even even very stupid people say clever things sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 the weight of the point that matters, not from the mouth of the person it comes from. Exactly, that, that... but we have we have a tendency now to say, "Oh my God, you know, Marine Le Pen said some, you know, she said something that is right, but I can't agree with her because she's Marine Le Pen." No, I, mean, I don't care who you are. If, if what you're saying works, fine. I don't. Let's go. Let's do it. So you did mention Marine Le Pen. Now, do you mm -hmm. think she benefits from these riots? Oh, good lord, uh -huh. yes, dramatically. Oh, look, I'm going to tell you something. Not a fan, okay? Not a fan at all. But I have to say that when she goes on social media and she said, I mean, she said things that was bang on. They were bang on. She told the truth. You know, she stated facts and, you know, she, I, I don't, I mean, look, I don't agree with like 90% of whatever it is she's saying, but sometimes like, you know, like she's not a stupid person and sometimes she put the finger on something that is true. Um, and her solutions sometimes are actually potentially the good ones. Um, she's, she's like, her popularity is exploding because again a lot of people recognize themselves in her because she's saying 
She's saying some of the things that people, you know, don't want to say in France because it's not popular, but she's been saying it for a long time. Um, and so she's she's getting in, in, in popularity. It's, it's actually troubling because you're thinking, hang on a second. Since when, you know, do we think that the far right in France is actually, you know, the alternative? It's actually really, really scary. And what scares me the most is just like, like I said, sometimes she was actually saying things that I found myself to agree with. And I'm thinking like, wow. I mean, we have fallen really, really far you know, for, for her to be the voice of reason. That's scary. Again, I don't agree with her party politics at all, but some of the things that she, you know, she came out saying were right. And, and a lot of people, you know, are kind of connecting with that now. And uh, a lot of people have expressed, you know, views that, you know, they, they, they're going to vote for her next time because they're thinking like, we tried everything else. It didn't work. So let's try her. And that, that's, that is very scary because, when that happens in a democracy, you're thinking, so where, where, where's the, ne the next station? Like, where do we stop next? If the far right become, I would say, the norm, where they become actually like a tolerable possibility. Far right with these internet spying laws. Best of luck. I, it's just going to be like, it's going to be fascism on crack. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But look, you know, a lot of the time what people don't understand is that democ democracy is very fragile. It's, it's a very fragile ecosystem. And that it's so, look, every fascist state started off as a democracy. Let's just put it that way. So there's a tendency for democracy to kind of, you know, go that way uh, if we're not careful. So it's a balancing act. And I think that right now we lose it. Yeah, it, it's it's scary. But mm -hmm. okay, Let, let's take the views on uh, the questions. So a lot of immigration questions. So uh, basically <laughs> they go around thoughts on, do you think uh, France should now start getting uh, a a much more tougher or improved immigration system, something like Canada and Australia and New Zealand have like a point system or maybe something like the United Arab Emirates does. They don't let people naturalize. They they can work there. So, so what do you think the French government is going to do? Well, I think actually I, I would like to see a mix of, of two things is, you know, quotas, because I think it's important, for example, you know, in the health, um, the health uh, system. I mean, there's there's a there's a lack of you know nurses and doctors and things like this. So I think that definitely they should gear immigration you know towards that to 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 kind of uh, fill that need um, to make sure that you know France can actually cater to its you know its people and make sure that they have you know the healthcare that they deserve. Um, you know to see to make sure that because you know you have a lot you have high unemployment but you have certain industries for example IT they can't find people to hire. So it's it's preventing, it's hampering growth. So to make sure that, you know, again, quotas, I think like what Canada does, what you said in Australia, I think it's great. And I think they should do that. Now, also, at the same time, I think that they need to look at, it's not so much who comes in. It's, it's the way that, again, you frame, I would say, the national narrative in the sense that you have to make people, I don't like, the, I don't like to say make people, but how do you instill you know, some kind of, um, you know, social cohesion and, and love for for the Republic, you know, to just to kind of like teach people in, in the ways of the Republic in terms like for them to feel that they, they're now becoming part of this, like, you know, this, this common history that people have. Um, because it seems to be working for a lot of like, there's, um, there's a lot of people coming out of Asia or Africa that, you know, feel French, very, very French. And, 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 and the French, you know, accept them as French. But it's just like this one demographic, there's a problem. And I think it comes from this notion that Islam is a war 
with the West. And so like we need to find a way to just kind of like, you know, address that and 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 maybe then immigration would be a lot easier from from those countries because again like the, the problem is coming out of the islamic world not coming out of uh, you know like people moving from latin america it's not and and i it's it again i'm not i'm not trying i'm not passing judgment there's just the reality you know numbers tells you that that's true um so we need to find a way how do we there's there's a problem of communication somewhere we need to address it because again i think that immigration is a strength when it's done the right way um, and and I think that we should make room for everybody, but at the same time, it needs to be thought out well, and we need to make sure that there's a structure in place that allows for people to be able to, it's not necessary to adopt, you know, to suddenly start drinking wine and eating croissant in the morning, it doesn't matter, but how do you, how do I help you feel French so that, you know, you would bring your own, you know, your your, your culture and your tradition to enrich my, you know, my country, how do we do that? How do we have a positive exchange where you bring me and then you you take from me too and you be and we become we we become a, a better together because I think that's what immigration does. Um, I mean, look, France went through a lot of of you know uh, immigration movements, but the, the thing is, usually it was done kind of like laterally. So it was like you know from Ukraine, from Poland, from Russia. It was like you know throughout the Judeo-Christian world, we never had like south to north, really. That's that's kind of like over the past, I would say, eighty years. That's what ha that's it happened because of the colonies. Um, but we we never learned to speak that language, so we could do that. That was fine, you know. Italian coming to France and France, you know, French people going to Italy, no problem. Um, and I don't think it's just it's it's just uh, I think it's it's a culture thing. This uh, we knew how to speak to each other and to kind of like enrich each other's lives. This north to south hasn't worked out. It's like it's a very toxic relationship, and we need to fix it. Because um, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. We have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah. The, the thing is, unlike America and Canada, you know, France or Germany, basically the European Union mm -hmm. in a major way, these, these countries, each of these countries have their distinct culture. Now, immigration into France is very different from immigration into Canada, barring Quebec, which is French. <laughs> Well, so, they, they they claim to speak French, but sometimes I don't understand. They they say they're more French than you guys. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's all right. Wait. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I think they they're great people, but it just makes me laugh because you know sometimes they're like, "I speak French. I'm from." I say I don't understand it. You can, I'm sure yeah. you do speak French. I just don't understand your accent. Uh, <laughs> by the way, accent. my brother-in-law, he 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 speaks. Uh, very fluently in French, and and he told me this that the the French that the Quebecois speak, and the yeah. French that the people in France speak has a lot of slang. He's like, I would I... find it so hard to understand the French in in France because they would have this these uh, slang words, and and I would speak this ancient archaic French that the Quebecois <laughs> would speak. And, and yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe that's why they say they like more French than us because we kind of like. <laughs> We like yeah. absorbed a lot of things and we don't like, we don't speak like, I would say classical French. So, you know, maybe they master it better than we do. Yeah, but then then this, if assimilation is a problem, then why the European Union in general is not getting its head around this entire uh, migrant uh, issue? Like, why why is it become such a problem and a touchy subject to even talk about it? That, I mean, look at the result. You have right-wing parties popping up in Europe all the time. You had the Quran burning incident now recently in Sweden. Now mm -hmm. I'm someone, 
I'm a disbeliever. I criticize religion. I don't understand this whole Quran burning incident. I I would never do it myself personally, but yeah. I am a free speech guy. So if somebody wants to burn a, a Hindu, Christian, Muslim religious text, not my thing. But I will not spot them, stop them either. But but then how does one thread this needle, right? Because it's not like assimilating in America. America has its unique way, which is where America should be given credit. People who come to America, they literally. americanize america mm. has this overarching powerful entity that even today after the wokeism is not being destroyed completely but do you know why though because again we don't talk about this is that most people who do immigrate to america actually love america they want to do well when they go to america you know they, they it's it's not like they know a lot of people are actually quite desperate to go to america it's it's one of the you know it's it's like i would say if if you were to make a poll i'm pretty sure that if you asked to ask people where would you like to move most people would say america just instinctively uh because you know there's this notion that you know, the american dream is that you know you go there and you're going to become successful and and all those things and for some reason people who again go to uh to the eu you know do it for different reasons is not out of love or a desire to um to do better necessarily i'm not saying that that's not true for some people i'm sure it is but i would say that a lot of people go there with this kind of like post colonial ptsd problem uh where there's like either like some degree of like you owe me because you colonized me like once upon a time um you know or i hate you so i'm just going to i'm going to i'm going to milk the system and get what i feel i'm entitled to because again once upon a time you know i was colonized um it's just like again those dynamic of hatred and violence and it doesn't happen in america Also America doesn't have a social system. So people, you know, going to America, you know that you're going to be on your own and you're going to have to work hard to get somewhere. And so people go there with that in mind. And I think that the way that they immigrate into the, you know, the European continent is very very different. The the mindset is different. And I think that's what we need to talk about because it's not it's not a racial issue and people are making it a, a, a racial issue and I think is again is just the easy way out because you're just trying to shut people up. But we have to talk about it. If for me it's not it's not racial it's not even religious um although we need to address islamic radicalism because it has ideology have used that you know this racist it was islamophobic button to kind of like justify uh you know the the argument for violence and retribution against the the the, the french republic um you know we need to talk about mindsets how do we how do we make sure that there's a conversation that happens really early on and we make sure that you know people come when people come they come with you know the the desire to build themselves up and build a better life for themselves and we can we can assist them we can help them along the way but we can't create a, a state of i would say like you know permanent assistance that's that's not healthy you can't you can't just you know you have you know like what they say about you know um you know teaching how people how to fish so they can feed themselves every day so we need to we need to change the way that we do things is that just you know just giving people hands out it's just not healthy and i think it creates um you know well, well we see the results like you know a few decades down the line and you have you have the riots because again people feel entitled no accountability so do you think these riots will result in the 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 french state doubling down on on their uh, yeah you know the liberty equality fraternity concept in france is like a very you know it's a very state imposed thing like uh, do you think it will now be even more imposed as in you know this is look the one thing i admired about uh, france was when that unfortunate beheading or shooting happened at charlie hebdo mm. uh, the one thing the french state did was 
put up the the Charlie Hebdo poster all over France. Now that's how you respond to bullies. You yes. don't bow down to bullies. So do you think the French state, irrespective of who is in power after these humongous riots, are going to double down and uh, respond in a very different way? Because, uh, I mean, as you said, the police has... Nobody talks about the police response. The police response has been something in France. Mm -hmm. Well, they're angry. Um, well, I see a few things happening. Like I said, I think there's a resurgence in, in nationalism where people actually feel more French now. Than yesterday because you know it's a reaction to what happened because it's a visceral reaction uh i also think that you know unfortunately and that i don't think it's going to help but i think you're going to see like um you know police officers you know being granting granted extra rights and that means that it could potentially lead to more violence um i think that you're going to have a standoff between the state and and the suburbs um, I mean, there's been, for example, talks about removing, you know, social benefits to um, to, to families, um, you know, on account that, you know, if if certain members of the family rioted, then they would have to pay the price. Um, which again, I I don't know where I stand on this one because I don't believe in collective punishment. I think it's unfair. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. I understand the the rationale behind it that you know they have to, you know you break it you fix it. I understand that, but you know, how do you like that? You know, like, and the mom hasn't done anything, and and you know, they say, well, the parents are responsible. Yes, to some extent, but this is that you you also punishing, you know, the other children. I don't think it's helping. I mean, I think it's just it's a stupid suggestion. I think we need to do better. But I do like the idea of accountability and forcing those people to actually like you broke, you know, you broke it, now you go and fix it. Um, I think we should. Uh, I'm not talking about hard labor, but I think they should do community service for sure. Like, you know, you go fix it. You go go understand what is it that you've done, um, you know, and and try to be held accountable and fix yourself for the love of God. Like just don't, like you know, don't be an idiot for the rest of your life. Uh, don't break, just build. Breaking is so easy. I mean, any idiot could do it. Um, building something it takes, you know, takes actually courage. So uh, they might want to do that. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not feeling very positive because all I see is that you know the next elections we could have the far right win. That, that's my worry is that it's going to lead France in that direction. I don't know so, because again, we're not having the right debates. I'm not saying that I I, I have the answers to everything, but um, you know I, I can see I can pinpoint certain areas that we should look into. Nobody is doing it, and I don't understand. I mean, I know it's going to again hard hard conversation, not fun. I get it, but we're going to have to have them because otherwise, in five years, two years, six months, going to happen again, and it's going to get worse. So I'm going to paraphrase a few questions together. So now that we know time and again in Europe, multiculturalism has failed as a state policy. How, uh, why do you see the these denials? And also, you know, a lot of it is also, you cannot deny the role of the Western world, especially Anglo-American foreign policy, which many Western countries signed up to. I know France has had its uh, bones of uh, contention with America on multiple occasions. But, uh, you know, it's like a mixture of that in today's world. Now, do you see eventually these realities playing out and somebody from the center-left or the center right. I'm not talking about the far left and the far right. Because whenever the far left and the far right comes to power, shit hits the roof. But <laughs> when will the center left and the center right parties start saying it how it's supposed to be said that multiculturalism has failed, uh, morality is objective, some mm -hmm. cultures have better values than other cultures, 
and those cultures that have better values should tell the people that if you want to live in our culture you have to assimilate and if you can't assimilate then please stay if you like your back in the place and and i say this as an indian if i move to canada there are some values in india that are better than canada mm-hmm. i keep them there are some canadian values that are genuinely better than india mm-hmm. i take them and that's how mm-hmm. i become a better canadian and better indian mm-hmm. why is it so hard to say i don't know maybe you should say it louder for the people in the back <laughs> that's, that's that's true i agree with you i agree with you but this is what i was talking about you know like this give and take this is why immigration is so amazing because you come you know you come with your indian culture with an you know the the, the history of a, of a country that is old um you know and you know has evolved and so you have you know you have very str- you have a very strong family unit something that we have lost here we need that absolutely we need that absolutely and um, by the way indians have the similar family unit consistency in america just look at the numbers highest number of married couples know, uh, stable marriages lowest yeah. divorce rates etc yeah because it works it works you know clearly you you find you find a model that works i mean across time it has you know it's like it's, it's been proven and so you kept it because what why why throw away a model that works right and so we need that so it would be wonderful if you know like we could actually have an honest conversation and say okay well, so we have people coming out of india that you know have very successful family lives the family unit works there's you know those dynamics are, are very healthy what what can we learn and take you know absorb them and just claim claim them for our own we're not doing that but we also have this assumption that everything that is western is better and i think that's not true that's just not true and so we need to have this conversation and say let's put ourselves in check too because we we might be you know this beacon of freedom yeah that was true 100 years ago they are the beacons now okay we're not the only one that you know can define democracy and also i think that democracy could be iterated in in very different ways and and maybe always are not the best way so again i think that if we were to engage and communicate with other people which is often you know um the way out of problems um you know and realize that we don't know everything and some of the stuff that we do is wrong So what about fixing it? And I think that maybe we should look into how other countries have handled, you know, immigration and multiculturalism because we think we have again the solution because we're western. I think that's a mistake. We don't necessarily have the, the solution at all. So how do other countries have dealt with it? If you take a country like Russia for example. And I'm not making I'm not making an allegory for Vladimir Putin, but Russia has countless ethnicities within the greater whole, you know, countless you know various faith and for some reason it seems to work there's some kind of a, a social cohesion there and there's been a lot of like you know uh, migrant movements so maybe we should look into like why is it that it works for them india you know you have you know different languages different i would say almost like you know subcultures within the greater culture i mean there's a lot of thing going on how is that working because you know people still say i'm indian right um So maybe look into this and say like can we learn from you guys like you know what is it what have you done or not done that maybe we you know we should not do or do um yeah i think those conversation needs to happen because look our world is getting smaller because everybody yes. moves everywhere we travel everywhere so we're going to have to figure it out and uh you can't just say i'm just going to lock you out it doesn't work not i mean it could work maybe like 200 years ago it doesn't work anymore you can't lock people out so you're going to have to find room and make room for them um but make sure that it's like again it's a give and take and also i think that people need to be less attached to 
you know, what they perceive to be their, their identity. And because it's a, it's a fluid thing, it evolves. And so like, you know, what, what does it make a French person French? Is it like drinking wine, eating cheese and, and, and having pastries every day? No, I think there's something that must be deeper than that, right? So that means that sometimes you have to put yourself in check and say, can I adopt, you know, the good things of, you know, a, a, another culture? And I, the answer should be yes. If it works, if it's better, then take it. Fair enough. And, and, and you know, you are right. We are living in a global world because right now two of us are having a conversation. I'm an Indian podcaster hosting this podcast in Canada. You're a French, <laughs> you're a French woman. Uh, yeah, talking to Jewish, me from England. Jewish French women. I mean, like Jewish French women it. talking yeah, yeah. to me in England. Everything. I know. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and we speak in English. <laughs> yeah, we're speaking in English. We're not speaking in our native tongues. <laughs> I know, crazy. No, and look, look, you, you know, we we have very different kind of like background, and like you know, and we agree on most things. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and people, some people would love to say like, oh, those two people can't possibly agree. Yes, we can, because it's just we're willing to actually listen to each other and, 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 and learn that, you know, maybe my way is not the best way um, and, and, and vice versa. Yeah, it's not yeah. that difficult. If people want, again, really not that difficult. It's just like, stop, stop being so, so, you know, prideful. Just, yeah. you know, nobody knows everything. I, I I agree with you, and this is this is the the this is the the beauty of the internet. Yes, you get a lot of people who abuse you, but I have met some of the most interesting people in my life because of the internet. The internet has been a blessing. So before we wrap mm -hmm. it up, Catherine, uh, are there any last words you want to say before we wrap it up? No, other than uh, you know, people. Let's. I want people to get out of this. Um, you know those racist dynamics I, let's not play the racist card anymore because i don't i actually don't believe that um racism is a real thing anymore i mean it, it is unlike you know like i would say like the very end of radicalism whether right or left but um i think that there's been look no one is ever one thing anymore and so many people have you know this background that background a grandma and auntie or whatever you can't nobody can claim to like purity of like one particular thing so just get over yourself like it, it doesn't matter just let, let's just talk about people, real issues, because I'm so sick and tired of talking about racism. Uh, it prevents us from actually having real conversation because it's just like, you know, this kind of like barrier and then people are like, oh, no, I can't say what I, what I want to say, what I need to say. So let's just stop playing that card. It's a stupid card. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, as long as um, your intent is right and the points you make are rational, I don't care what color of the skin you are, I will listen to it and, and I'll agree, agree or disagree with you. Uh, make arguments uh, without, you know, these things. But I guess, you know, the global left has become woke and the global left has a problem. They're obsessed with identity. They move from individualism. I did not or you did not. Well, point. wait until people start to, you know, identify as a, as, oh, actually people have done it when they identify as a black person or this person. And I mean, like, you know, it's, it's oh, Rachel Dolezal has already shown that. There you go. No, I mean, I mean so it just, no, it actually, it proves the, my, my point is that color doesn't matter. It's just who cares. I mean, if you switch off the light, we kind of like, we don't know. So there you go. So like, you just like, it's such a stupid argument to say, oh, because you come from this country, then therefore you must be a bad person. It's such a stupid thing to say. Um, I'm just, I, I just want people to move on from it. Like, please, enough. Like, we've done this for centuries. It's just, it's stupid. It's, it's completely it irrational. Well, I mean, we, like, you know, we bleed the same. 
we build the same way, we got the same organs, move on. Yep. Uh, I, I agree with you. And I think that's that's the best way to end this podcast. Catherine, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in London this time. Oh, yeah, because you're coming, aren't you? Yeah, I'm there Oh, maybe we should do like, we should do some kind of a live, kind of like, you know, in-person podcast. That'd be fun. Yes, we should. That uh, we'll, we'll make something happen. So okay. as always, thank you very much for coming. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. All right, guys, you can follow Catherine uh, on social media. Her uh, Twitter account is in the description of the podcast. You can also go and read. Uh, she writes on multiple places. She was with Henry Jackson. Now she's moved on to some other place. She also writes for the Jerusalem Post. So you just have to Google Catherine and you'll see all the details over there and go check her workout. Also, if you like this video, please subscribe to the Charvak Podcast YouTube channel if you have not. Leave a comment in the comments section. If you can support this podcast monetarily, do become a member. The membership program is what runs this podcast every month. So whether you're on YouTube or Patreon or Fanmo, please become a member. If you're an audio listener, do leave a rating on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever, whatever audio platform you listen to this, or send your donations to UPI or buy the merchandise of the Charvuk podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, namaste, take care, bye.